This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. You're listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha on Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. Warm Pacific greetings and a good afternoon to you all. Thank you so much for joining once again to um, Hear Us Say with Renisha. Um, today is sadly the final episode. Um, this whole show is coming to an end. The podcast series is coming to an end. Um, and while I am a little bit um, bummed about it, I think um, reflecting back on the amount of episodes we have done, I think um, I've learned quite a bit. And this session is actually me on my own um, just reflecting on um, all the episodes that had a guest and what korero we had around different issues. Um, we'll also reflect on social cohesion as a theme, as well as um, the mosaic card and see how things for myself have developed, what my understanding has become now compared to what it was at the beginning of the show. Um, I think there's quite a bit to discuss. So like I've said, it's me just on my own today. Um, so yeah, let's let's kind of get started. Let's go back all the way to um, to August when I launched this um, show. I guess on the side note, I would always say a big mihi to, um, you know, OR station for letting me have my own show and, you know, recognizing what I had to say, what to do, my own creative ideas. Um, you know, they recognized it so well. They were so encouraging, um, you know, to put my show on the youth zone. So I will always be grateful. And the couple of episodes, you know, they remind me of how important the conversation that I thought would be good to have in the communities actually is um so always always big mihi um to our radio station for letting me letting me have my little bit of time here um inviting a couple of friends and having a couple of chats so yeah um like i said let's go back to a little bit on uh, um on the 4th of August when the first episode was premiered um I actually had Arena and Iram joining in me joining with me actually um from their studio and now that I think about the studio a lot of my episodes have been shot over Zoom because of the COVID you know Delta lockdown and then um yeah just the COVID-19 lockdown as well so there has been quite a bit of ups and downs and I think with a lot of shows that would be common that you know we were just sitting over Zoom um recording a show you know getting a little bit worried about the background noise I'm trying to find a quiet space um so it's been, I guess, even if it's a short journey, it's been quite a while um, now that I re- reflect and talk about it. Um, so going back to first episode with Arena and Iram, I think first episode, I was very nervous when I entered the studio. I was thinking about um, what if something goes wrong? What if I don't turn the mics? Um, what if my mic is too far from myself? What if I stop? 
or like don't turn the time on. Um, and I was in a, I, I was pretty much in a panic mode, honestly. Um, and while probably my voice didn't sound like it, I was all over the place. I think Arena was cracking up, um, looking at me. So if she's hearing this, then shout out to you, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So Arena and Ibram, um, we got into quite a bit of conversation regarding cultural competence in terms of, you know, what are certain perspectives about things that we um, we have our own beliefs and values towards or in and how that can be quite diverse when you have someone, even though they come from a similar background, have like a contrasting opinion to that and how there's so much diversity within the diversity that we have. Um, and how at times that gets under acknowledged. Um, I think we also briefly touched on the topic of media. Um, we talked about how certain things in the media is portrayed the way that it is um, and how sometimes um, I believe like, um, you know, it takes to meet in real life or to see real life situations to actually sort of like have an idea of how things are working out for um, someone um, and not comparing self with someone else's success. Um, so, yeah, that sort of conversation is what we had. Um, yeah, and, and I think the session with Arena and Iram was also quite reflective, if I'm not wrong. Um reflective and in terms of um you know there was a lot of questions or well, a couple of questions regarding the personal level where we talked about what type of individuals we want to be um so I think I think a common theme was we want to be the one that supports the community are uh, there for the people so um yeah you know it, that episode I guess for me was a starting point where I just got the confirmation after my first episode that this show is actually going into the direction that I wanted it from the start. Um, yeah, so that was just basically an epic conversation um, that I had with both. Shout out to Iram. She is back in her home country now. Um, so well wishes to her if she's hearing us now. Um, again, you know, highlighting the changing context or sort of the changing world we're currently living in it's all over the place um and we're all trying to figure out what we sort of have you know um together or we don't have together so yeah um yeah so that was the first episode the second episode was with Dima um Dima is a dentistry student currently in Dunedin this year she is in her fifth year of um uh, sorry, in a fourth year of dentistry, my bad, <laughs> fourth year of dentistry. She is actually um, one of my best friends. Um, and Dima had always interested me um, regardless of the show when we used to have like our normal conversations in a friend group setting. I think she was one of those bold and really brave girls um, that speak their truth in a way that it really makes you want to sit down and listen. Um, Dima comes from a very humbling background as well. Um, she is a refugee migrant in this country. Um, so she's seen a lot. She's been through a lot. And I think she's one of the um, strongest girls that I've come across with the way she currently is, how she's doing, as well as how she's using what she knows to channel a lot of advocacy in the community. Um, Dima does that through a lot of um, 
out. She has interest in special effect. Um, so yeah, Dima has been one of those, um, you know, humbling and grounding people that I've come across. Um, the episode with Dima, I think one of the biggest highlight that I remember was, you know, visiting the conversation around how migrants and refugees are portrayed on media um, and a lot of that being mainstream media. A little bit of it was about the lack of cultural competence in white mainstream um, settings. Um, and on the other hand, the conversation was using migrants and refugees as like to feed mandates and, you know, propagandas, um, propaganda, sorry. Um, yeah, so that con conversation came up and it was um, quite heart touching to hear how, you know, photos and videos of um, migrants and refugees are taken up by different organizations and different, um, you know, groups to, I guess, to take the box of diversity at times um, or to take the box of ethnic, um, ethnic, you know, people being part of their programs. Um, but a lot of it underneath is like sort of um, reflecting back on the feeling of sympathy. So a lot of the time when, you know, people look at the types of photos that are taken of migrants and refugees, I mean, the stories, the articles written about them reflects about, a lot about um, them coming from a um, bad background, even though the article should necessarily be focusing on, you know, them becoming lawyers, engineers, doctors, social media content creators, um, influencers, a lot of the time there's this negative attachment of coming from a different country and being a victim. Um, and Dima, you know, Dima very humblingly, hum, humblingly um, sort of like walked me through that talk. Um, so it was definitely um, reflective. That episode with Dima was, was definitely, um, yeah, heart touching and quite, you know, humbling for someone who, even though comes from an ethnic community, but doesn't necessarily understand the pathway that, you know, refugees come from, I could only empathize. Um, yeah, so it definitely changed my perspective of how and what sort of media outlet to trust when it comes to, um, you know, that specific group that are on the storylines, but yeah. Um, Let's move on to the third episode. The third episode with Niranjan. Um, so Niranjan and I also, um, you know, that we work for the university's volunteering crew together. He actually works quite a bit in the Silver Line space for mental health well-being. While I worked for the volunteering crew and we sort of like came together because of that sort of work um, space that we both shared. Um, Niranjan, Niranjan has been a very sort of like a mentor slash friend um, um, figure in my life because a lot of the time when I need, um, you know, advice in life, I think he has been quite instrumental of sort of like pointing it out or painting it out for me what is sort of like the direction where I'm standing and what the situation is. It's never him giving me his opinion rather you know, trying to not make me confused about stuff that I am in. Well, putting that aside, um, the episode with Niranjan, again, we talked quite a bit about structures, about, you know, 
um, how certain things are portrayed in the community, how certain things look um, one way, and then are actually the other way, what structures look like, what are the gaps in the structures. Um, so sort of those conversation, um, again, has like always highlighted that the work we do on the ground is sort of like the foundation um, of everything that builds up onto and how we have a long, long journey ahead um, in terms of activism, um, you know, advocacy. So, yeah, it was, it was again, a very, a very informative session that I had with Niranjan, um, a lot about structures, challenging them, you know, what the local views, what the perspective of the local affairs are of him. Um, so, yeah, those were really, really interesting conversations to have. Um, the fourth episode with Abi Chenaya, um, I think Abi was the first person to join outside of Auckland, actually. Um, Abi is a photographer um, and she recently launched her own um uh her own exhibition in Auckland and it was telling stories of women by photographing them and a lot of it had to do with um body image and the way that women you know are perceived and we talked quite a bit about on the show as well you know even with the body image sort of like movement or advocacy a lot of the time the focus goes on to the shape and the size um and you know around those notation but a lot of the time um you know color is left out of that scale and we sort of went through um you know different expectations of different communities um and again you know highlighting the fact that even ethnic communities um, young people or like everyone anyone in general actually who have a different color um, tend to experience some sort of like um, I guess color shaming at some point of their life um, and we both shared our own stories um, and how it took us a little bit of time to accept what we are and how we are given that a lot of our society um tends to, um, I guess, I guess, um, idealize um, white skin as the, as the better skin or fairer skin as the better skin. Um, again, you know, drawing back those sort of connections to colonization um, and how to be the, I guess, the recognized person or how to be like an important person. You had a certain image in the community um, and how if you didn't have that sort of image, then you wouldn't be worthy enough or good enough. Um, I guess we also briefly talked about, you know, not being able to wear clothes um, that don't complement our skin tone. So, you know, I, I talked about how um, I can never wear darker skin color uh, dark sorry dark colored clothes it always had to be um light skin colored clothes and light colored clothes actually um and it was quite overwhelming after a point of time um because you know your family is sort of like hinting that um they love you but you know there's certain parts of you that they're questioning 
um, or challenging. And then same goes with the community, your extended relatives. So those kind of notations, you know, for a young person tends to be quite um, distressing and not the best <laughs> situation. I'm trying to not put um, words and terminologies on my last final reflection um, that, you know, may, may trigger another whole discussion. But, yeah, I hope that's, that's sort of understandable. But, yeah, it does get quite, you know, distressing and mentally not the ideal state to be in when, you know, um, the color skin, the color of your skin, which is not something you can control, is being questioned. It's being challenged by the people who are meant to love you, and they do love you. But you know, sometimes, I guess the the concept of tough love um, can have different meanings in this scenario. Um, yeah. So the conversation, you know, with Abby has been uh, really a really um, you know insightful and also um to some point quite reflective on its own because episode four with Abby I think it was um a lot more to do with connecting on an individual and personalized level regardless of the mosaic cards um in our conversation around that is something that I probably always will remember or have in my mind given how um sort of it has influenced me you know growing up and how similar well very different while very different our stories were so similar um when we talk about the issues that we kind of face so yeah yeah definitely a very reflective a very connective episode um was episode four with um Abby so I really I think I really enjoyed that and parts of it will always um you know stay with me um so yeah episode with you know episode with um Shivani was the episode five actually sorry I'm just getting confused with my episodes I have like a list of them I'm just looking through them so that I can talk to them properly um the episode that I had with Shivani, you know, again, the conversation around being Girmatia. So we both come from Fiji. Um, Shivani pursued a career in photography as well. Um, she was um, a lecturer. Um, at the moment, I believe she's taking a break. Um, but the episode with Shivani, again, you know, the idea of cultural competence, how rich our cultures are, how amazing um you know how amazing it feels when we sort of like connect back to our roots but at the same time this question of like identity that we kind of have to go over and over again um to try to fit in you know Fijian Indians have have like this identity crisis going on for a very very long time now um you know not fitting as Fijians not fitting as Indians um, you know, being rejected by one nation and then the other time not being acknowledged by the other nation. So I think that's the connection that we both shared. And we had a couple of conversations around that, um, you know, and it, it's been really insightful to see. And it's just not between me and Shivani, I guess. It's it's among a lot of um, Fijian Indian students, Fijian Indian young people who are struggling with the identity, not knowing where to fit. I think we we both shared like the sense of home with that uh, with that episode because we both like within Fiji we come from two different um, 
areas, very contrasting areas. I come from the capital. She comes from a, um, you know, division of like the West where things are quite rural. Um, but even given that, you know, her upbringing there compared to my upbringing um, had been quite fundamentally similar in terms of the values and beliefs that our families um, have inflicted or sort of um, domesticated into us. And knowing who we are, you know, sharing sharing this common ground of music, um, using art to sort of like express or to um, show how we feel um, was something that we both, you know, shared. And I, I think just the, just the, question of you know identity crisis for Fijian Indians I think there's a huge a very huge issue brewing along the sides um, that we need to address or else our young people will be more alienated um, from their culture and from who they are and I think this alienation of self-culture it's not just limited to, you know, Fijian Indians. I think every culture where there's a second generation migrant or a third generation migrant young people, um, you know, in a different country from where they would normally, you know, share their roots from um, has been, has been sort of really hard for these young kids to grasp, like, um, I guess, like root at, because one hand they're trying to fit in, and this, you know, multidimensional, multidiverse, um, diverse community of New Zealand, whereas, you know, they, their family, their parents probably have put pressure on them to ensure that they're not losing their culture. So it's sort of like juggling between two different um, situations and scenarios that these young people have sort of um, have to go through. Um, and at times, you know, you could only feel for that, you know, a lot of the times. I know for me, language has always been a barrier. Um, I always think first in Fiji Hindi, um, and then I translate it to English. But with, you know, Google translators, you can't sometimes even do that. So I have to translate whatever I know in Fiji Hindi to Hindi. And then I translate it to English. So even now, you know, at times when I'm speaking, I'm saying something and then I stop and I have to think of the best way to describe something in one word. And then, you know, it's, it's another, it's another conversation, but the alienation, and this is what happens when you're trying to juggle two different um, sides into like one person and one person is trying to juggle these two different ideas. Um, That's what sort of like the, the identity crisis and, you know, culture alienation that, that kind of um, we both talked about Shivani and I on the on the fifth episode, um, and I think again that one was um, quite um, reflective and at the same time connective um, in terms of where we come from, what roots we share, and how that sort of feeds into our worldviews of like people around us. Um, so yeah, uh, episodes with Kai. Um, Kai joined me from Wellington actually um, that morning and I was um, really really stoked to have him. Um, Kai has been another brother figure slash mentor for me since um, 2017-ish. I met him through um, Ministry of Youth Development's um, 
I guess, award ceremony where I was one of the recipients and he was there um, as an MC. And we sort of connected on that basis. And he sort of mentored me a couple of times for different things that I was doing in life. life. And, you know, I've known him since then. And he has his own podcast, actually. So um, check that out. I'll probably um, get Arena to put a link for that as well. It's pretty cool. Um, He also is like in his capacity dismantling all the issues um in his unique way um and with his supporters and his family and well wishes so that's kind of epic as well to see along um that to see him come along that journey as well um I think the conversation the funny thing actually with Kai is um I remember saying something in Hindi and then I did Hindi actually and then I went home and I searched it up well I translated it and I heard it on the on the um on the episode and it came out wrong I think I'm not I don't exactly remember what I said but I know it came out wrong so if you heard Kai's my episode with Kai and I'll probably um you know trying to (laughs) trying to um you know learn what I said to say it to someone it's probably wrong I would not recommend it um and I am I'm not even embarrassed about this I'm just thinking it's almost it was funny because I was so confident when I said it and then you know it was next moment it was like what did you say Renisha <laughs> um so yeah on the side note actually yeah um but the episode with Kai again you know we, we talked quite a bit I think uh, um a lot had to do with self journey, how we both perceive, you know, worldviews, and again the concept of dismantling different issues, you know, in the society that we both face as individuals, as like, you know, from ethnic communities, but quite diverse from that ethnic community as well. So yeah, episode with Kai, I think it was like another like sort of like confirmation that I kind of got that there's so many different people in their capacities doing different stuff, um, coming across different life experiences that make them either a better person or, you know, just get them encouraged to do even more to, I guess, um, uh, I guess, you know, try to explore things even even on a deeper level, um, because I think Kai's intellectual level in that episode was one of its own kind. Um, again, based on the experiences that he had shared that he had, I think it was very, I was lucky to be able to hear him speak of that. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, episode seven with Sarah. Oh, I think in the whole season, Sarah has one of those, um, I guess, worldview that has humbled me to the most deep level. And I remember the conversation with Sarah till date um, very clearly. We were both talking about colonization. And I mentioned um, that now that we live in post-colonized era, you know, things are a little bit different, but um, Sarah got me thinking and she challenged my view, actually. Um, and the whole concept of the idea was, are we actually even li- living in a post-colonized colonized way or are we made to believe that we are living in a post-colonized, um, you know, society 
but are we living in a post-colonized society or are we living in a colonized society but with this sort of like um this idea that the idea of this are we living in a post-colonized society or are we made to believe that we are living in a post-colonized society but in reality we are living in a colonized society but with different settings um and you know I have a little bit of sort of like a mixture opinion of it now that I think about it but one thing you know when you acknowledge something still being colonized is that you are not undermining the structures that have been in put, that have been put in place since colonization period that are affecting um, and that are still discriminatory towards certain groups of people, certain the minorities. I mean, we see that with our parliament setting, you know, if majority votes, majority mainstream people, which is the which is the demographic population of our parliament at the moment, they vote, you know, against something, then even if the minority um, come together and vote for it, it doesn't necessarily have like a equal comparison or equal sort of um, contradicting challenge to each other, um, which puts minority issues at risk at times. Um, and this, you know, this we see in our communities as well. We see our school structures, um, all these different settings, you know, um, when I talk about school structures, a lot of the time our young, our ethnic young people are not necessarily protected the, in the best capability when they are, you know, when they are going to a mainstream school, because a lot of the time these ethnic young kids, they tend to get bullied in, in high schools, you know, um, and it's really, really heart-wrenching to see that not enough, you know, disciplinary actions or not enough um, protection being in place for ethnic young kids. Um, sometimes what we tend to do is, you know, put the issue under the rug that, you know, bullying happened in our school there are not enough procedures put in place to ensure that um, bullying in the first place doesn't happen and if it happens how are people how are those bullies held accountable for so these structures they they do show that you know things don't always tend to work the way it seems on paper um with our parliament like i gave an example with our schools our high schools, our primary schools, I gave another example. They are so much in-betweens that disadvantage the minority. And that gets us thinking that are we actually living in a post-colonization way, colonization era, I guess, where we are facing a little bit of, well, quite a bit of repercussions of the colonization period, or are we still living in a colonization period Um but with different settings or adjustments. So that was a very interesting conversation that I had with Sarah. And I feel like um, while I can always acknowledge what my ancestors went through colonization period um, is, um, is nothing compared to what I got, went through or like um, what I went through is nothing compared to what my ancestors went through during the colonizing, colonization period. But um, the experience and the oppression is still there um, and the disadvantage is also still there. So that's always like an interesting conversation for me to sort of like get into. And I think the episode with Sarah was one of those really eye-opening um, ones that I had. So thank you, Sarah, if you're listening to this one. I really enjoyed that conversation, even though, you know, I have um, 
and conflicting opinion about it. Um, episode eight with Rabia. Um, Rabia joined me from Wellington as well. Oh, by the way, Sarah joined me from um, Dunedin. But yeah, Rabia joined me from Wellington. And the conversation with Rabia was to do a lot with the worldviews and how many brown people do we see into, you know, decision making and policy making. And we kind of reflected on um, how there's a lot of theories, you know, in the on the international arena. We both study politics. We both studied politics. So the conversation around like, you know, where do ethnic people, where do young people from ethnic communities fit in considering a lot of the theories, a lot of international relation theories are, you know, designed by, I guess, plain, if we say bluntly, by white men um, for the general population and our generalized idea or perception of people. So when you kind of unfold that, does it apply to certain groups of people? Does it apply to certain um, cultural groups of people? I think that is an interesting conversation that we both had. Um, you know, a lot of the time, probably that is the reason why we don't see brown faces in politics classes, in, um, in I guess, um, in uh, humanities classes, any classes that has to do with, you know, making public policy or being involved in the decision making. The reason, the basic reason is that there's not much to connect to, even though like it is so relevant to us um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it shapes or influences, impacts every individual. Um, we don't get that much of interest from brown people because there's not much they can connect to or contribute to without sort of like having to rethink if this is the right room that they want to be in and to contribute their thoughts. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, politics is all about critical an analysis and that also comes with questioning why you have a certain point of view, which can make people really, really uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, that that conversation with Rabia was quite interesting. The other other um, thing we talked about was social cohesion. Rabia herself is involved around the theme of social cohesion quite a bit, you know, in her community, in her workspace. She um, is engaged with social cohesion quite a bit. Um, and we sort of like came to this mutual understanding that it has a lot of um, it has a lot to do with the integration of different cultures. It has a lot to do with um, existing in in a multi-dimensional society with different ideas and perspectives without causing negative, I guess, influences for any individual. Um, and that conversation was also, I guess, interesting and, again, confirming that sort of the grasp of social cohesion that I had was similar to what she had, but in our own terms and definitions. And again, you know, highlighting how broad social cohesion can be defined as. Yeah, so the conversation, you know, with Rabia, um, definitely one of the interesting ones that I had, social cohesion and, you know, views on politic studies has been quite, quite relevant um, to ensuring ethnic voices um, or diverse voices reaching to the scale it should. Um, so, yeah, definitely a very interesting conversation. Um, 
Now, when Brickham came on, um, you know, the whole idea was to bring the whole sort of like worldviews and um, international sort of like issues back down to self and like self-perception and how do individuals take care of themselves. And one thing I remember was um, Brickham sharing her story um, with regards to being a um you know a teacher and how her kids has you know her school kids um sort of trust her and how they interpret reality in their own ways uh, in the classroom and how it has been a humbling experience for her um but then she also talked about her poetry that she you know did and reading that out was quite amazing um you know it just grounds you back to reality it, it relaxed me and the whole show I think I was feeling really really happy afterwards um because it was really touching um so definitely um I guess Brecken you know brought a very very gentle conversation to that to the episode which you normally probably wouldn't see on my show because it's always you know the questions with the mosaic cards are always like on board like they're heavy they're quite um you know hitting but with Brecken it was a lot to do with just relaxing um and you know just just enjoying each other's company talking of those important issues again like you know she talked about her experiences um and how she was so brave to share one of the stories about how she corrected herself you know one time um, when she sort of um she offended someone in her school setting um and how she apologized again and again after that just showing how how important it is to be kind be nice so yeah a really really personalized um episode that i had with brecken i think um and then in episode 10 i think we brought back dima on um and that was because you know i just wanted to have another yarn with her and it was a while that i hadn't catch up um, so I was like, why not on the show? Why not? Let's talk again. And again, you know, somehow our conversation ended up on the media perception of our of our um, ethnic communities, especially from the refugee and migrant communities and how they sort of like portrayed as sort of the weaker ones or like the ones that need help and how the rest of the society are their savior. And we sort of like explored the idea of saviorship and is it a colonized, you know, term to be using in this setting um, because it seems like it is um, and the role of mainstream media um, as well as how you know um, a situation happened in her her personal experience of being called out for things that she wasn't and how dangerous social media can be in terms of um, you know just um, looking what's on online and making perception of that so yeah that was another episode that we kind of talked about a lot of things and I think a little bit this on the second episode with Dima it was a little bit personalized personalized as well because we talked about what we wanted to do as individuals and how we wanted to be in the community um so definitely a little bit more personal um because in this the first episode with Dima we both were quite fired up, you know, on there, wanted to talk about. But as we got into a little bit more understanding of Mosaic, it became very personalized. So, yeah, definitely 
enjoyed that another session with Dima. Um, and then finally with Nora, I think we explored quite a bit on racism, actually. We talked about discrimination, discrimination, discrimination. <laughs> Sorry, guys, my brain took a while to process that. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, with Nora, it was a very interesting conversation regarding what is what does it look like to be privileged. And we also explored the idea of how not all migrants look from ethnic backgrounds, are, are from ethnic backgrounds, actually. Um, and they also face certain bit of oppression when it comes to immigration, when it comes to sitting down in a new country. Um, and I guess a lot of it is part of the structure but again revisiting other structures really necessarily you know important to be put in place um and you know the conversation around privilege with Nora was quite interesting because she because she hung, humbly you know realized where which position she's coming from she talked about being light-skinned but at the same time being a migrant you know um, took a while to settle down over here, took a while to adjust to the culture. She still went through that journey just like any other migrant kid would or ethnic kid would, but a little bit different, a little bit softer because of the way she looked. Um, I guess that was an interesting conversation again um, and very, very catching because a lot of the time is, you know, someone who's dark skinned and comes from ethnic community, I, you know, I tend to attract sort of like conversation that are similar to mine. But when she talked about sort of like the other flip side of the coin, you go like, ah, that is really cool to know. <laughs> so you're not doing that to your migrant friends who don't necessarily look like, you know, dark skinned. So yeah, definitely another interesting conversation with her. Um, and that sort of like brings us down back to sort of like reflecting of our uh, reflecting on our guests and reflecting on the episodes that each one sort of like contributed to. Now let's get into the idea, you know, reflection of the idea of social cohesion and the reflection of mosaic cards. Um, firstly, a big mihi to um Aratai Ohi for you know developing such amazing cards. I have previously used them in my workshops that I delivered in the capacity of Shakti. And then um, I found them really interesting how they worked out for different groups. You know, I, I was able to use them on a very larger scale with sort of like, um, you know, um, very influential people who, who needed some cultural cultural competency. Oh my God, my English is sailing on another level yeah so I guess that's sort of the reflection of all the 12 episodes that I had um and uh and sort of a reflection of how it went with each um each guest and what perspective that they sort of brought what background that they sort of brought to the conversations and you know to the questions that I asked through Mosaic Card I think this brings us back back to have conversation around um a little bit of reflection of the idea of social cohesion on its own, as well as the mosaic cards. Um, firstly, I would like to um, thank, you know, Aratai Ohi wholeheartedly for their contributions, um, for sending me additional mosaic cards, you know, so that I could use them as giveaways to get people involved. <laughs> um, 
Um, but generally, you know, and on the on the larger scale, thank you so much for developing such amazing cards. Um, I have used these cards on actually with, I should say, different crowds. I have used it with teenage, you know, friend groups. I have used it with um clients um you know i have also used it with um people who who are advocates in the communities and i've also used it with organizations who want to get more cultural competency in their in their curriculum or in their um workspace or just to be aware of what being culturally competent looks like um so yeah and all of the time conversations seemed to flow with these mosaic cards um, so that sort of gave me an idea of maybe, maybe just using them to make a podcast because the conversations that I had, I wish I had recorded them, um, during my training session with different groups. So yeah. And I was really, really happy that I got this chance, you know, of again, say a big thank you to, o, you know, OR for letting me do this, but yeah, yeah. I finally got to record the questions being answered by different groups of people. Uh, different individuals actually so it was really really amazing I think that one question from the mosaic cards that says um what an ideal Aotearoa looks like to you I think that question has always been stuck with me um and then there's this other question which is what type of person do you want to be I think these two questions um while they're like on two different levels, you know, there's personal, interpersonal and societal. I think while these two questions are not two different level, they, they go well, very, they very well go together. Um, and I say this because, you know, what type of person you want to be, it is that individual change that we as a collective society need to focus on in order to be able to reach our ideal state. Um, and a lot of it, you know, it's a lot of it, the current situation that's carrying one person over to the other. We should be empowering each individual to a point where they know what they want and they can carry themselves. So we don't have to do it for everyone. Um, I just what I'm trying to say is, you know, how to make an how to how to be a person that um, is well equipped to raise their voice for issues that they are passionate about. Um, to defy the odds and to stand up for who they are um, can contribute on the ideal society that we want New Zealand to be. I think a lot of it is embracing who we are as different individuals um, and acknowledging that what we have, the kopapa that we share with ourselves um, and our family, our whakapapa, is, um, is something that we honor continuously. Of course, there's certain situation that that can't be done, but ideally that's what we want um, and bring it to the table collectively with different groups and different people, um, you know, to, to be as diverse as we can, but still sit on a table with diverse opinion and walk out of the room making new friends and feeling connected rather than... Um, bummed because there was another opinion on the table that um, was totally different to yours so how do we exist in a society with different opinions um, that doesn't let us get to a point like it did on March 15th um, so yeah I think that's sort of the reflection on mosaic card and it sort of has kind of like left me to talk about 
social cohesion as like a idea at the beginning of the show. I think in each every episode, I think I have been humbled like again and again by our guests. Sometimes, you know, I would go revisit the episode after I've watched it for a while and just understanding what sort of like the person or the guest had said to me the day before has been really, really reflective in a sense that, you know, you hear it firsthand from them, from them, but you go back and revisit that and see how you responded to it as well has been um, quite eye-opening. And that's how I catch the sort of the mistake that I did with um, Kai by, you know, being so confident about single phrase in Fiji Hindi. Um, so, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Oh, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, you know, reflective of its, like, of its own core by going back and listening to what you've said as well, while listening to the conversation that other people have brought to the table. Because like I said, you know, the idea was to randomly select cards. So I didn't know what I was going to say either. Like the um, guests didn't know what they were going to say, you know, talk about. Um, so definitely random and definitely, I guess, I guess I was also to some point quite cautious of what I'm saying um, just because, you know, social cohesion is a very flexible definition that can fit into different niches, um, but it needs to be handled really cautiously as well because it can be like a loose term that everyone uses. Um, so how to like sort of like keep the quality of what social cohesion can achieve in a society without overthrowing examples that don't necessarily contribute to it as a as like a um as an idea so yeah definitely reflective um and I and I enjoyed my whole journey now that I look about it think about it actually I have come while it sounds cliche I've come a long way in terms of understanding and you know even sitting down because I even at times get triggered when it is an issue that I'm so passionate about um, and then someone else has like a contradicting opinion to mine to it. Um, I've come a long way, I think. Um, I think I can sit very peacefully um, and have a conversation with someone who doesn't like my idea, who doesn't like my conversation and still get ahead with it um, just because, you know, um, I have had that opportunity to exercise it during the show um, and also when I revisited the comments that I made as well and see if I actually made sense you know so that has been that has been quite reflective and eye-opening so really really appreciated this opportunity um, now coming back to I guess closing this episode off um, I think I briefly wanted to mention what I'm going to do in the future, I didn't want to just go MAI or MIA, yeah, missing person. Um, I wanted to sort of let you know. So the reason I kind of closing this show is because um, I'm someone who finds it really, really hard to say no to people. Um, and I, <laughs> I realized that I've overloaded myself for the responsibilities this year um, that probably will, will carry me more than I'll carry them. Um, so I'm just trying to um, make arrangements and see what are some, you know, things that I've said yes to that can be um, put on a hold for now. And then I can always come back to it in the future, I guess. Um, so that's the idea. You know, when I started the podcast or when I introduced my idea, I actually introduced two idea to um, Arena, who works with 
over our studio uh, or, or our film. Um, the idea was, um, one was, you know, to have a chat about social cohesion, which was all about hear us say, you know, ethnic people, people from different communities, people who are just normal individuals in the community. What are they saying? You know, we have these conversations, political conversations, social justice conversation in our houses on a daily basis. But how do we make these people to talk on a wider scale and, you know, and, and also sort of normalize making mistakes and correcting them? Um, just because you're talking on a show doesn't mean that, you know, you can't change your opinion afterwards. Um, because a lot of the time I did put people on spot, but I think they all did a tremendously amazing job in terms of taking their time before they answered. And I think I've learned, like I've said already, I've learned quite a bit from them. Um, yeah, so I guess, um, you know, that was one of the idea that I introduced. The second one was actually to make a podcast on Gurmit series. So um, as I mentioned, I'm someone who, you know, comes from Fiji, but my ancestors come from India and I sort of have like that um, gap in identity and cultural identity there because a lot of like our heritage was lost during colonization. Um, so whatever we have, we're holding it quite dear to our um, to our hearts. Um, but I think our ethnic kids, as they're growing up, they are also struggling with a huge identity crisis of how to fit, where to fit. A lot of it has resulted in them um, being really, really, I guess, um, feeling really superficial when they're applying for jobs um, because they don't feel Indian enough or at times they don't feel um, Pacifica enough. Um, and at times, you know, even the government has some policies in place that sort of um, put them on the side. So a huge identity crisis going on at the moment um, that I'm hoping to make a podcast on um, inviting different leaders from the Fijian, Indian and Gilmet community who can add their one cent or two cent to the table um, and maybe use that podcast as a resource for different government um, agencies and see what they can do to address that. Um, you know, because if podcasts on those are made, it is an essential resource for our young people to also sort of like read through and have something that they can reference back to. Um, I would like to make it based on a lot more personal experience rather than um, a lot to do with the structures and challenging them. Because um, when we talk about personal stories, I think that's when identity becomes an issue of connecting with another person and a little bit better to deal with a um, crisis like that. So, yeah, I think that's my two cents at the moment about Gurmit um, and having that sort of like podcast series in the future. But ultimately, um, that's something that I have planned, like I said, for the future. Currently, I'm just going to try not let my responsibilities carry me. Um, there's quite a bit that I have on my table. Um, but I honestly really, really enjoyed making each episode. I actually looked forward. It gave me a chance to network, to connect with different groups of people, you know, with different individuals, should I say, that I apparently had engaged with. But, you know, the conversations were quite, um, quite superficial, um, never that deep where we're challenging each other's opinion, um, but in a very safe space. Um, and ultimately, again, you know, that's what we want to achieve.
as a society uh, on, on its own. So yeah, that's sort of like bringing us back. And uh, at the end of our, let's uh, um, hear us say, um, series of podcast and radio show, uh, I will be around in Dunedin probably for an year or so. Um, I am actually hoping to finish my degree with a Pulse major and a Pacific Island major and get in the community, use my degree, my knowledge, my experience um, to create policies that are reflective of the needs of um, our ethnic migrant communities rather than of what mainstream thinks that the um, you know, needs of our groups. And I think there are a lot of people already, and I don't say this to discredit any individual that you know really has the heart of um, giving back to our diverse community. It's just um, the things that I have in my mind that I really want to work on. And if I do get an opportunity, then I cannot wait to um, start to unravel those ideas and put them onto ground and, you know, hopefully implement policies that address a lot of the issues that our young people, our ethnic people are facing in the community. Um, a lot of it has to do with um, <clears throat> cultural competence, a lot of, um, you know, I guess, safer workspace environment, um, fair justice system, fair parliamentary um, inputs, um, more political education. So these are the issues that, you know, let me, well, gets me going. And, you know, I do want to see a lot more brown people sitting um, in in politics classes, in classics classes. So, yeah, yeah. So that's the sort of the plan for the future for myself. I have stopped, um, you know, sharing my, I guess, my um, plans exactly in terms of what I am actually doing because I tend to change that quite a bit. I um, mean, I realized that changing it, it's, it's totally fine. We all change and it's just part of the journey. So yeah, it's the way at the end of the episode, actually. Um, and I wouldn't want to hold you any longer. I think there's another show coming around the corner now. So um, I hope you all enjoyed this journey and this ride with me. I know I did with you. So thank you so much for tolerating me. Thank you for tolerating my, um, not being able to speak English pro properly at times. Um, thank you for tolerating of me by being bilingual. <laughs> it it gets um, mouthful at times, and I know I mispronounce words, but you guys um, let that slide by. So thank you for that, and I and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, if if you know me, please get in contact and let me know what you think about the show. Um, if not, I guess in the future, if I do get a chance to redo a podcast, I'll let OR radio station know um, and see if they could probably put it on this station, um, no matter where I am. So, yeah, until until next time, I guess, guys. Um, oh, I'm feeling a little bit emotional, but um, until next time, um, stay safe, take care of yourself. For one last time, kakite. You were listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha at Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.